0: listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org.
1: I was having a conversation this week with a lady who has attended our church for, you know, several years. And here's what she says to me. She says, you know what I love about coming to worship services at our church? So no, what do you love about it? She goes, well, when I leave, I feel challenged. And then here's what she says to me. I believe that church should change you. So how do you feel about that? So do you agree with that? Do you struggle with that? I love coming to church here, she said, because when I leave church, I feel challenged. And I believe that going to church should change you. So we've been in a conversation for the last several weeks talking about life in the kingdom of God, this kingdom of God that Jesus has ushered in. And he says, this kingdom is like no other kingdom on earth. Okay. And, and when you talk about being a part of God's community, we've been talking about the fact that it's a very forgiving community. It's a very generous community. These people give like crazy. It's a very reconciling community. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that it is a, a worshiping community. Okay. So I understand that that's a broad conversation. So here's where I'm going to zero in today. I'm going to talk about what we're doing right now. Those times when we gather together like we've gathered together this morning to worship God. So on this Sunday that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and people taking off their cloaks laying them on the ground, getting these palm branches, waving them, shouting out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were worshiping Jesus. We're going to talk about worship. So here's what I believe. I believe that God, who created everything, who created you and me, I believe that God opens his arms and he invites us. Come together. Okay. And enjoy me and celebrate me and enjoy my presence. And here's what else I believe. When we come together to participate in this communal activity of worship, I believe that God changes our hearts. That's what I believe. I believe that God, the God who made everything, (laughs) He opens His arms and He says, All of you guys just come together, okay? And come into my presence and enjoy me. And I believe that when we do that, That God shapes our lives. I think he changes us. So you want to grab a Bible this morning and open it to God's word with me. So we're going to be in the book of Psalm, Psalm 84. So maybe you didn't bring a Bible. There might be one in front of you. And if you say, yeah, I'm kind of new to carrying a Bible. If you just open your Bible right in the very middle, if it falls open, it's going to fall open to the book of Psalms. Okay. And we are in chapter 84 in the book of Psalms. And this is what the writer does. Three things. He talks about how much he loves going to the temple, to the house of God, to be in God's presence. And then he talks about those people who don't live in Jerusalem and they have to travel a long way to get there. And then, number three, he talks about what a blessing it is just to know God. So, here we go. You ready? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Would you read verse 2 with me? My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 3, I think he's just saying, I'm kind of envious of birds who are able to build a nest somewhere in the courtyard of the temple because they can just be close to God all the time. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who are able to dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. And then he remembers, what about the people who don't live near the temple, who have to travel a long way to get to Jerusalem? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, who are willing to travel to get there. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. He doesn't mean literally. It's a very dry place. But it's like, you know, it's as if it was filled with springs and rain. They go from strength to strength or station to station, from place to place. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Now listen to the last section. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days somewhere else. God, it's, it's better to be in your house one day than to be somewhere else a thousand days. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those Whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So it's a psalm. It's a psalm about a guy who loves to come to a place of worship and be in God's presence. So let's talk about it a little bit, okay? I stood here just a moment ago and I said to you, I believe. Do you remember what I said I believed? I said, I believe that God opens His arms and invites us to come together into His presence and enjoy Him. And I said, I believe when we do that, something happens. I believe that God changes our hearts. I believe that God shapes our lives when we come together like this. I can't tell you how many times I've gone home from church on Sunday and I've said to myself, God, I believe you're helping me. I mean, I believe I've learned something today. I believe I'm going to be better today because I spent time here. Now, we're in this series uh, that's been inspired by James Bryan Smith's good and beautiful community. And if you've been here every week, you know what's coming next. I'm going to tell you that there is another story out there. And here's what the other story is, okay? It goes something like this. The reason I come to church on Sunday mornings is because I want to be inspired. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog it's dog world, okay? Life is hard, and I'm tired, and when I come here, I want somebody to stand up and say something or sing something that inspires me. I mean, somebody needs to do something that gets me going. I, I think there's another story that says, when I come to church on Sunday morning, I want to feel better. I mean, I want to leave feeling better than I felt when I got here. I mean, somebody needs to do something to make me feel good when I come here, okay? And I think there's another story that says, when I come to church on Sunday morning, I want to have my needs met because I have real needs in my life and I need somebody to help meet my needs. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm going to shoot really straight with you, okay? There are times when I leave here on Sunday morning, and I mean, I am like walking on my toes to the car. I am so inspired. I mean, it sometimes happens, right? I mean, you know what I'm going to think about when I'm driving away from the church today? I'm going to think about these three guys who got baptized this morning, and I'm just going to have a, a, a lighter walk in my, my step, step in my walk. Sometimes. I have really good feeling emotions when I leave. I'm just driving away. I'm sending my wife net, Annette, Annette, that was great, wasn't it? And sometimes I am met at the point of my need. But that's not why I come. Then Rick, why do you come? I'm so glad you asked me because I'm dying to tell you why it is that I come. Let me take you back to the psalmist's words, okay? My soul yearns. Even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. You know what he's saying? I just want to be in the presence of God. I mean, I want to know God. God. I'm not speaking Greek to anybody in the room this morning. Every one of you have had times in your life when you've stared into the darkness, laying in your beds at night, asking questions like, what is God like? Can I actually have a relationship with God? Is God ever really going to speak to me like he speaks to other people? And when I come to church on Sunday morning, it's not just about feeling good or it's not just about being inspired. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to know God. I want to feel close to God. And to think that I come into this place and God himself, the one who made everything, actually talks directly to me is more than I can comprehend. I want to be with God. So every time we come together, I feel like we ask a question. So we've read this scripture, right? So what do we do? What are you going to do with this when you leave? Because you understand, tomorrow you start back to school, right? You go back to work. So what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do as I move from here? Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the fact that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And, and I said to you that every time you pick up the Bible and you open the New Testament and you find the word church, without exception, every time you find the word church, behind it is the word ecclesia. That is the Greek word, okay, ecclesia. And if you picked up a Greek lexicon, a dictionary, and you ask what is the definition of the word ecclesia, the definition is simply this, a gathering of people. An assembly or a gathering of people. And so I remember a couple of weeks ago, I said to you, so here's what I'm trying to say to you. The church is not a building. The church is a gathering of people. So all the people that you're sitting around this morning, that's the church. It's not an address on some map. It's not a building that's erected into the sky. No, the church is this gathering of people. Here's what else we don't believe. We don't believe that God hangs out here at the church. And so, if you want to be in the presence of God, you've got to come here. Because all week long, God just hangs out here in this room. And if you want to be with Him, then you have to come to this place. We don't believe that either. Here's what we do believe. Here's what the point is I'm trying to make. In the history of Christianity, there has always been this component of worship that includes a corporate gathering of people. We've always done it this way all right and so even in the first couple of hundred years when christianity was illegal you know what they did they gathered privately in homes and they would just start pouring into each other's houses groups of them and they would worship together and then in 300 and what 12 when constantine legalized christianity they started building buildings like this and people would gather together to worship it's always been our tradition And not only has it been historically a precedent that is set for us, however, it is what the Word of God commands us. You remember a couple of weeks ago I was preaching to you from Hebrews, and the Hebrew writer says... Don't give up meeting together, gathering like this right here. Don't give up doing this like some are in the habit of doing. For some reason, there were some people in the early Christian church who said, we don't think it's important or we don't make it a priority. We haven't been gathering together like this. And the writer of Hebrews says, whatever you do, don't stop gathering together. This gathering together like you're doing this morning, this is really important stuff. Whatever you do, you don't want to ever stop doing this. So, you know, I kind of got an idea who I'm talking to and I'm looking around at the faces in the room and I just think we ought to just kind of hit a pause button for a minute and be really honest with each other and admit to ourselves that there are some people who do not believe this gathering together is very important. Or there are others who believe it's important but it's not a priority in their lives. Man, Rick, I've never stopped to think to say that, you know, God's Word says I should never stop doing this, that this is really important. And I mean, I've had lots of conversations. I remember a guy said to me one day, I'm opposed to organized religion. I said, really? You wish all the churches in the world would go away? He goes, no, I just don't want to go to any of them. It's different. I remember once at dinner a lady named Marty says to me, Pastor Rick, I got this friend. She's wonderful. She talks about Jesus. I always invite her to my church. She says, I don't go to church. I don't need a church. I read my Bible, I pray, but I don't I don't need church. I really don't. Marty, I'm good. I don't need church. What should I say to her, Pastor? And I said, Well, Marty, according to the Bible, she needs church. But as much as she needs church, The church needs her. I think I would start there. Sociologists tell us that something happened when kids move away from home. They graduate from high school. Students go to universities. There's nobody there to really say, don't don't miss out on gathering together. It's really important. James Bryan Smith says, we call them the missing years in our churches. They kind of begin to falter away a bit. But he says, most of them come back. And it's after they're married and after they have a baby. And I think about the years where I've walked up to people in aisles just like this and said, Hey, my name is Rick. I'm the pastor. It's nice to meet you. And they said, boy, it's really good to be back. And then there's this group of people who just, who just say, we go to church and we try to follow Jesus. In fact, we go to church every Sunday. There isn't something else going on. But it's not priority. If there's something else going on, we do that instead. So what I want to do is take about two minutes and just paint you a picture of the contrast of that, okay? Okay. So what's going on. God says to his people, Israel, I don't want you to ever forget who I am or what I've done, okay? And in order to do that, there are three festivals that I want you to celebrate. And I want you to celebrate them in the city of Jerusalem, all right? So just get your minds back a few thousand years ago, okay? And, and you're an Israelite and you don't live in Jerusalem. In fact, it would take you four days to travel Jerusalem, because there aren't any cars, you're going to have to walk there on foot, okay? And you and your family are getting all ready because it's almost time for the Feast of Tabernacles. So where are you guys going? We're going to Jerusalem. How long will it take you to get there? About four days. It's going to take you four days to walk to Jerusalem. Yeah, we can't hardly wait because when we get there, guess what we're going to do? We're going to the temple and we're going to experience the presence of God with all of these other travelers who are going to Jerusalem with us. And so it's this idea that you'll go through the valley of weeping, Bacah, and there's no water there. But to you it looks like there's springs and rain pouring down, but there's really not. It's just this idea that we can get through that because there is this reward at the end, Okay? So, I got a picture I want to show you. All right? This is a picture of my one and only granddaughter, Sadie. I don't know why her tongue is on the outside of her face. It just does that sometimes, okay? (laughs) So, we were there just a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago to see her. And I just jumped in front of her. She was walking. We were shopping. And I just snapped a picture. But that's my Sadie, okay? Sometimes we fly to see her, but often we drive. You know what people say to us? Isn't that an awful drive? And we say, no, it's not really that bad. Well, who are we kidding? It's an awful drive. Twelve hours in a car, it's an awful drive, right? <laughs> but we don't care. Because there's this goal at the end. We're going to get to hang out with Sadie for a few days. And we love it. Now, now listen to me really carefully, okay? Okay. These worshipers who loved being in the presence of God, going to his house, said, I know there's rough roads and I know it takes a while and there's dry spots without water, but it's so important that we get there. We would not miss going to the house of God. What a contrast! My wife and I have been in a conversation with the church about foster care, And so we've been asking questions like, how can we support families in foster care and how can we support children who are in foster care? And so we went to a class the other day, and here's what we learned. We learned about the effects in the life of an infant who is deprived of human contact. right So here's what I'm talking about. You got a little baby who was born and nobody touches the baby nobody hardly ever holds the baby the baby is being neglected and what we learned is that there is a direct correlation between the growth and the development of the brain and human contact so here's what happens when a baby is not touched and held and loved and cuddled even though the baby is eating they don't grow They just don't grow. So when they're deprived of human contact, sometimes they die. So in countries where there are babies in orphanages, and that hasn't been the case in the U.S. for the last several decades, but in countries where there are, did you know that there is a 30 to 40% mortality rate? Because a baby is not held and touched and loved. All right? Now look in my eyes just for a minute. I want to ask you a question, okay? What is it in your life that is significant in order for you to grow as a follower of Jesus? And without it, you stop growing. You see, I I know, I know that the last few weeks I've been harping on these practices, but I believe with everything in me that when I practice things, when I physically do things with my body and my mind and my hands and my feet and my eyes, I believe that when I practice things that they change me, God uses them as a means of grace to help shape my life. So when I get up in the mornings and I go in this one little room at my house and I sit down in this chair and I put my Bible on the ottoman in front of me and I put my phone there and I put a devotional book there and I spend this time with god i believe that god uses that practice to change me it's something that i physically and mentally do and i believe that god uses that to change me i hear lies all day long and i get up in the morning and i remind myself of what the truth is okay i believe when i sit down and i write a check and i put it in the mail and i give money away i believe that physical practice of giving i believe it changes me i believe it makes me less selfish And I believe with everything in me that God welcomes us to come together and to enjoy him and to be in his presence. And I believe that when we do, God uses this practice to change us, to shape us. And I believe without it, we struggle to grow in our relationship with him. And so the psalmist says, oh man, you want to talk about priorities in my life? One day in your house, okay, one day spent with you, God, is better than like a thousand days somewhere else. I mean, one day hanging out with you, God, is better than a thousand days somewhere else because this is what you're doing in my life to help shape me to become the person that you're calling me to be. So I got one last story and then we're going to, we're going to get together here. I was at a conference with some guys from our church in Tulsa the other day, and this guy stands up on a platform like this, and he tells his story, okay? And here was his story. I'd become a pretty severe drug addict. My life was out of control. Every dollar we were getting, we were buying drugs with it. My son wanted to play sports. We let him play. The coach's son invites him to spend the night one Saturday night, and we let him. But I didn't like it because I could see where it was going They were going to take him to church the next morning. And that's what they did. They took my kid to church. And you know what happened the next Sunday morning? My kid gets up saying, I want to go to church again today. Will you take me to church? So I'm thinking, okay, I'll drop you off at the church take him in the church. I get him where he's supposed to be. I'm walking out and they got all these donuts and coffee. So I said to somebody, so what do you charge for your donuts and your coffee? And he said, you know what they did? They brothered me. Oh brother, they don't cost anything. They're here for you to enjoy, you know, just have some brother. I'm thinking I'm not your brother, you know, what are you brothering me for? So I had some of their donuts and their coffee. I came back and I picked up my kid and they were really friendly to me. And the next Sunday my kid gets up and you know what he wants to do on Sunday morning? The next week he wants to go back to that church. So I take him back to that church. And they start brothering me again and giving me donuts and coffee and talking to me. And I kept hanging out, not in the service but around the service. And finally, one day I got really honest with them and I got very graphic with them about my life and I'm pulling up my sleeve and I'm showing them needle marks and I'm telling them that I'm an addict. And they helped me get help with my drug addiction. But in the midst of all of that, I came to know Jesus and he forgave me of every wrong in my life. And he said, I kept going to that church. And what he was saying was, I kept, I kept doing the gathering thing. <laughs> I kept getting to gather with them. You know, you just you kept doing the gathering. We just, we just kept gathering. That's the church, Ecclesia. It's where you come to gather. We, just, we didn't quit coming together. We kept. He said, I kept going to that church is what he said. And God kept changing me. And he was very transparent. And all these years later, he says, God is still changing me. You know, still changing me. So I would say to you this morning If I'm going to preach like this We ought to practice what I'm preaching, right? So one of the things that we we do to worship Is that we sing When I was living in sin You know what I used to practice? Sin I, I got really good at it But now that I'm a slave to God You know what I practice? I practice holiness Worship Small group life Personal devotions Giving of my money, sharing my faith, serving. And so this morning, before we go, I think here's what we ought to do. I think we ought to stand up, and I think we ought to practice worship, okay? And so let's worship the Lord together. waiting I would love to give you a blessing before you go. And if, if I give you a blessing, then you'd have to receive the blessing. So is this awkward or are you okay just holding your hands out like this to receive? Okay? So here's, here's what I wish for you. I pray for you. And especially for Dante, and Marcus, and John. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen? Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.